Good morning. Our scripture today is from the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. You know, one of the greatest joys to preach on any Sunday is that you get the juice. Mm-hmm. Look at this, Matthew. It's a joy to <laughs> it's a joy um, to be asked to preach on this weekend, which is our international missions weekend. Um, I trust that the Lord will help us discern more of His desire for us. Um, to be involved in missions. And so the message title this morning is A Call to Missions. And before we jump in, I'd like for us to pray together. Lord, we thank you for what has happened last night and this morning and what will happen as a result of our meetings last night and this morning. We as a church desire, Lord, to grow in mission awareness in mission participation. We pray that you will birth in us more and deeper desires of how to be involved in missions, how to go, how to send, how to support. Lord, I pray now that as I preach that you will speak to every man and woman and child in here, that you will use broken words and that you will make them life to everyone in here as you have prepared everyone to hear this message. By your Holy Spirit, make your word alive, I pray. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to start with a quiz this morning. Where is this written? And what is it called? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Where is it? Matthew. Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, it is called, Greg, see our church, know their Bibles. (laughs) Good job. This is where Jesus spoke to the 11 disciples and he told them in no unclear terms what he wanted them to do after he ascended into heaven. He wanted them to go and preach salvation in his name to all men and women all over the world. It says a little bit different in Luke chapter 24 and verses 45 through 47. Jesus, then he opened their minds to understand the scripture and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead 
and that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Now, these two passages have correctly been used through the ages to encourage and exhort Christians to take seriously their responsibility in missions, to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and for reconciliation to God. And if you've been in Kingsway for any length of time, I hope that you are well aware that we are eager to do that and to encourage one another to do that. Our mission statement is enjoying a growing relationship with God by treasuring Christ, pursuing authentic relationship, and loving our neighbors. And just, just a little bit of that, loving our neighbors, I want to read from you what it says in our mission statement. What does it mean to love our neighbors? So how do we love them? By proclaiming the gospel with our mouths, with our words. Because Romans 10, which Matthew already alluded to this morning, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We want them to believe, therefore we need to speak. The question we have to answer is why? Why do we want to proclaim the gospel with our words, whether it is to our neighbors or to some unreached people group somewhere on earth? Why should we go and make disciples of all the nations? And we can jump in so many places into God's word, but let's look at 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. Because we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, came down to earth, lived in a human body, lived a perfect, obedient life, and that He went to the cross, and that He suffered on that cross, and that He bore the guilt of our sin, that He took the punishment for our sin, that He died in our place so that we can stand before the judgment throne of God one day as forgiven. Jesus gave us His righteousness. And if we believe, and if we repent, and if we live for Him, then we will be saved. We proclaim that gospel, friends, to a dying world because we want them to experience the same grace that you and I have experienced. We want hardened hearts to be softened. We want blind eyes to be opened. We want dead people to be made alive. We want all people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and to believe in him and so become part of that chosen race, the royal priesthood, the people for his own possession. 
We want God to call them out of darkness like he did for us and into his marvelous light. We want men and women all over the world to follow passionately after Jesus because he is worthy to be followed and adored and worshipped. We want God to be glorified among the nations and among our neighbors. That, friends, is what compels us to tell our four-year-old about Jesus and what compels us to go to Peru and proclaim the gospel to the Arawak people who may have never heard the name of Jesus before. We want them all to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That is what compels us. And so the question is, are any of us, if you're a Christian this morning, if, are any of us exempt from that call? Good. Somebody said no. You and my, your and my highest calling on this earth is to proclaim to spiritually dead neighbors and co-workers and family members and friends and people groups all over the earth the salvation that is available to them only through faith in Jesus Christ. So proclaiming the gospel in Midlothian and in the world is our calling. And to the degree that we struggle to do this, we need to go to God and ask him for grace to grow in our ability and our willingness to do that. And to the degree that we do that Even to a little extent, we need to thank God for the grace he is giving us to be able to walk in that calling. Here's another question. Are we all called to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations? Or simply asked, are we all called to become international missionaries? Ah, Silence. Maybe I'll ask it like this. Are we all to play a part in international missions? Yeah, Yeah. resounding yes. Are we all to up and go next week to some country and preach the gospel there? No. And I believe we will see this clearly from our passage this morning, that at any given time, And this may change as time changes. But at any given time, God calls some to go and proclaim the gospel. And he calls some to stay and send and support those whom he have called to go and proclaim the gospel. And that the ultimate result of this unified calling, some to go, some to stay, send and support, this going and supporting The unified call to do that is so that men and women all over the earth can come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and that those disciples who are being made can be joined to a local church, hopefully a church that is planted there. Or let's say this like this, a simple way of saying it. Churches send and support missionaries to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to all nations, to make disciples, and to plant churches. That's what we want to do. 
My message this morning covers Acts 13 and 14. You can thank me later for not having all of that read. But you will see in these two chapters, friends, we'll see in these two chapters a clear example of what I just said. Churches send and support missionaries to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to all nations, to make disciples and to plant churches. And we're going to break that down into uh, different sections a little bit later. But I want to start and talk to you about discerning your calling in missions. It's obvious from this passage that Suzanne read this morning that at this very moment in this church in Antioch, in Syria, there were two groups of people in that church. There was Barnabas and Saul, whom the Holy Spirit called and said, set them apart for me. And there was the rest of the church who was called to stay there and to send them and to support them. And so how did they know who was to go and who was to stay? Well, when we read in verse 2, we saw that it was the Holy Spirit who, while the church was worshiping the Lord and fasting, said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The call that Barnabas and Saul received that morning was a direct call from God to go. But in that calling, in that calling of Barnabas and Saul to go, to be set apart to go, there really is a second calling. It is a calling for the rest of the church, not at that very moment to go, but at that very moment to stay and send them and support them in line with what they are doing, different function for that moment. So practically speaking, how do you and I discern at this moment or at any point in our lives the call to either go to international missions or to stay and send and support. And I think this passage gives us two specific answers to that question. The first answer is prayer, worship, and fasting. As we already saw in verse 2, The call from the Holy Spirit to set apart Barnabas and Saul came while they were worshiping and fasting. We see something very similar when we look at the call from God on Peter's life. When Peter was called to go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. We see that in Acts 10 and 11. And look at Acts 11 verse 5. It says, I was in the city of Joppa, Peter speaking. And in, I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And this vision was a call from God on Peter to go to the Gentiles whom the Jews saw as unworthy and unclean. And that's what was represented by all those animals in the sheet. And he was called to go to the Gentiles and preach Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he offers to the Gentiles 
salvation through his name only. And just like in the church in Antioch, this call came when? During a time of prayer. So what to do if you and I want to discern God's calling? Well, then we pray and we ask God to reveal it to us. We are not told. We're not told in that church in Antioch how the Holy Spirit revealed to them that Barnabas and Saul were called to be set apart. We don't know it was, if it was a vision, like in Peter's case, or if it was a prophetic word from somebody in the church, or if it was an audible word from the Holy Spirit, or if it was a personal conviction in those two men's lives. But somehow the Holy Spirit said to them, set these men apart. But hear this, Christian. If you're a Christian, remember this, that you have the Holy Spirit in you. And when we go to God and we ask him something like, Lord, can you please reveal to me your will in international missions? Do you want me to go to international missions? What God will not do is go like, oh, I'm going to hide the answer from him. God will delight in, in answering us when we pray that prayer. And when we honestly ask, Lord, I want to know because I want to do your will, he will reveal to us. So pray and ask him to reveal, and he will, church, be faithful to do that. There's a second way that I see in this passage of discerning our call to missions, namely affirmation by the church. We see that this church in Antioch, when the call from the Holy Spirit came, that church fasted and prayed and then laid their hands on them and sent them off. What that church did is that they affirmed their call. They fasted and they prayed and they affirmed the Holy Spirit is setting these two men apart. We will lay our hands on them and send them off. Friends, that is one of the graces of being a member of a local church like this, is that we can affirm in one another's lives what the Spirit is doing and what God is calling us to do. There is much grace And there is much protection in having your brothers and sisters who you love and respect and trust affirm your call to go into missions. So this morning, I want to ask you, each one of you, have you ever honestly gone before God and asked him to reveal to you whether you are called to go into full-time international missions? Or is this one even ever on your radar? Or is life so comfortable now that you just enjoy living and earning and doing what you do that you do not ask that question? Friend, what we cannot do, what we cannot do is say on the one hand, I was called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And on the other hand, I am not willing to preach this gospel. There are millions upon millions of people dying without hope, without knowing Christ, 
without ever hearing the gospel preached to them. And I want to implore you this morning, please ask God to reveal to you your call and missions. And if you're not there, ask God to give you a willingness to ask him that question. Maybe you're not even willing to go there now. But ask the Lord, Lord, will you, will you, will you stir in my heart a desire to preach your gospel to those who've never heard it? And hear this, the call may be for now for you to stay here and to send those who go and to support them. And that is not an inferior call. Hear it. This is not an inferior call. Do not think it is a higher call from God to go and a, an inferior call. No, I'm just going to stay here and send them and support them. It's not inferior. And here's why I say this. Remember that both those who go and those who stay and send and support are called by God for the work he has for them at this moment. And because the ultimate purpose of both those who go and those who stay, send, and support are to see men and women all over the world being saved. And those two groups of people, those who go and those who stay and send and support, they do that somewhat differently. But that is the focus of both of those callings. Here's what there does not exist in the Bible. Somebody outside, a Christian outside of those two categories. There is no category in the Bible for somebody who says, oh, yeah, they're the people who are going. They're the people who are sending. I'm the guy who's looking. There just isn't anything like that. If you are a Christian, you have to ask the Lord, God, are you are you calling me to go into international missions right now? Maybe in the future, are you calling me to stay and send and support right now and in future? There's no in-between. There's nothing outside of that if you're a Christian. And so for those, and I know there are some in this room who have had this nagging feeling for a long time. I wonder if God maybe one day wants to send me on the missions field Remember the first thing you do this morning is you go talk with Greg in the foyer. But I want to encourage you to go and ask God. Pray earnestly. Take time and pray earnestly and ask God if he is calling you to go to the mission field. And then if you feel, I think there really is something here. I think God is calling me. Then submit it to the church. So that the church and the leadership can affirm what God is doing in your life. There's protection in there. There's joy in there. Because this is the church ultimately who will then send you out. If this is what God is doing in your life. Oh, I pray that God will make his calling on each one of us evidently clear. As we go to him honestly and asking him to reveal to us our calling in missions. I want to take the rest of the time to look at the statement I said earlier. Churches send and support missionaries to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to all nations, to make disciples and to plant churches. And I want to break it into three segments. Um, 
as we see in the Bible explained to us. First, missionaries are to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Second, the church is to send and support missionaries. And then the result is that churches are being planted. So missionaries are to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to all nations. We've seen that already. Acts 13 and Acts 14 is a explicit picture of that in action. This is where Barnabas and Saul are called and then they're sent out and then we see what they do. And I'm going to kind of sum it up in a in a in a way for us. It started in that church in Antioch where they were called and from where they were sent off. First, then they sailed to the island of Cyprus and they arrived in the city of Salamis where they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues. They continued then preaching across the whole island and finally arrived in Paphos on the opposite side. There in Paphos was the proconsul and he summoned Paul, Paul, Saul, the Bible talks about Paul and Saul and Barnabas because he sought to hear the word of God. And after Paul, who is filled with the Holy Spirit and a lot happening, but he struck Elimus, the magician with blindness, the proconsul believed and was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Paul and Barnabas then set sail from Paphos to the modern-day Turkey, and they made their way to Antioch. Not the same Antioch they came from. That was in Syria. They're now in Turkey in Antioch. And they spoke boldly. And when the Gentiles heard this, says Acts 13, verse 46, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. However, the Jews be, became, uh, they, began, they, they began contradicting what Paul and Barnabas was saying, and they were stirring up persecution against them. And so they were driven out of Antioch. They went to Iconium, where they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But over a time, that city became divided between those who followed the Jews and those who followed uh, the apostles. And Paul and Barnabas learned that of their plan to stone them, so they fled to Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding area. In Lystra, though, the Jews from Antioch and in Turkey and Iconium became uh, came and they persuaded the crowds to stone Paul. And so they stoned him and they dragged him out of that city and they left him for dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he got up and he walked right back into that city. And the next day, the next day after he was stoned, he and Barnabas went to Derby and he preached the gospel and made many disciples. Go read those two chapters. It's like unbelievable what we read there. And then on completing their preaching there, they made their, their journey back through most of those towns back to Antioch where they were sent from, encouraging the men and women they have met to continue in the faith. But Barnabas and Paul made disciples as they traveled. 
They preached the word of God. They preached the gospel. Those two chapters actually interesting if you read those two chapters to see the different ways that it is recorded, how they preach, the words that's being used. They preached the good news. They preached boldly. They spoke the word of God. And men and women came to faith in Jesus Christ. Now realize that when we go and we speak the word of Christ to them, salvation, then God works in dead people and he makes them alive and he gives them faith to believe and they are saved. As a church, our primary hope when we send out and support a missionary will be that they make disciples by preaching the word of God the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the nations. Do all missionaries do what Barnabas and Saul did? Do they all go from country to country, town to town, and preach? No. It may take many forms. It may look like rescuing women from prostitution in Bolivia and then providing employment for them and discipling them it may look like someone overseeing several rural ministries and churches in africa caring for those ministry leaders and those pastors encouraging to love the lord with all their heart to glorify god in their ministries it may look like joining an existing church in thailand learning the language doing street evangelism and discipling some people who can disciple others. And it may look like planting a new church in Santa Cruz in Bolivia. And it may look many other ways. But in all of those, the overarching goal of those missionaries is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples for Jesus Christ. That is what missionaries do. That is what many of you or some of you may be called to go and do. And some of us, some of you, may be called to stay and send and support those who go. We've already seen that part of the church's function was to affirm the calling of those who go by sending them. And just to be clear, this is no small matter. Us as a church sending missionaries is no small matter because we do not do that in our own authority. We do that in the authority of God. And Greg showed this last night also, how in Acts 13 and verse 3, we see then after fasting and praying, they, the church, laid their hands on them, Barnabas and Saul, and sent them off. And the next verse, verse 4, so being sent by the Holy Spirit. So in two consecutive verses, we see that these two missionaries were sent off by the church and were sent off by the Holy Spirit. And you go like, is that a mistake maybe? It's not a mistake. It simply shows us that the Holy Spirit sent them out by means of the church. The church, we become the vessel through which God sends the missionaries. That is part of our joy. The church is not only called, though, to send, which we gladly will do, and I hope we do that many times more in the coming years, 
And we are also called to support those who have gone and are going. Those who go to the front lines and preach and make new disciples. And I want to draw your attention to just one passage that addresses this. This is in Romans 15 and verse 24. Paul says here, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. And I took the privilege of uh, paraphrasing this into what I believe he is saying to them. I think he's saying to him, Church, I'm coming to be with you for a while and to enjoy your company so that I can be refreshed and built up. Because when I'm with you, I won't be persecuted. I won't be beaten. I won't be stoned. I won't be threatened. When I'm with you, I will find rest for my tired body and my weary soul, and I will be built up so that I can continue in the work that God has called me to do. With you, I will find joy and peace to be with brothers and sisters who will care for me. Missionaries need that. And whether they are on the mission field at the moment or whether they are back here on furlough, church, we are called to love them and encourage them and build them up. We are called to remind them that they are not alone in this mission. Remind them that we are partnered with them in this mission. Remind them that we are praying for them. Remind them of the hope that they have in Jesus Christ to do what they have been called to do. That is our calling. If we're here this morning, it means that we have not yet been called to, to be sent out or we have not been sent out. That means while we are here, we are called to support those who have been called out to go. So missionaries... Those missionaries, especially those couples uh, that we support as a church, they need our encouragement and prayer and support. We also see Paul asking them then for physical help. Now, most missionaries or many missionaries cannot work. And if we are saying that we partner with them for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then our responsibility is to support them emotionally, caring, whatever, and by giving them money so that they can do what they are called to do, preaching the gospel, making disciples, planting churches. May the Lord help us to grow our willingness and ability to support missionaries spiritually and physically and financially with joy, even if it is sacrificially. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here this morning because you, church, do that so well. Every time that there's a request one of our missionaries need fund for, it's there. And even when we don't ask, you are willing to give to missionaries to support them. 
And I want to commend you for that. And I want to tell you, church, that there is gain in this giving. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 16. He says to the Philippians, Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases in your credit. The ESV Study Bible footnote says, I seek the profit that accrues to your account. Friends, there is a blessing in giving to missionaries. God sees when we support them because we support the mission of of disciples being made all over the world. And there is a blessing in that for us as we give to them. What a privilege and what a joy to participate in this amazing call to make disciples for Jesus Christ in this way that we are called to do. And so I want to encourage you not to neglect your responsibility to care for missionaries, to pray for them, to encourage them by email, by letter, by text, or in person, to go and to visit them and to give financially to them. If you are not called at this moment to go, you are called to be here and support the missionaries who have gone. It's as simple as that. And then we see the result. We see the result of some going, being called to go, and others staying here and sending them and supporting them. And the result is that disciples are made and churches are being planted. We see this in Acts 14 and verse 23. As Barnabas and Paul are making their way back to Antioch, their sending church, they appointed elders for them in every church. They planted churches as they preached the gospel and many were added to their numbers. They planted churches. And they went back and they encouraged them. Be strong in the Lord. Continue in the Lord. Now, again, we realize that there's this, this is no cookie cutter. There's no cookie cutter in missions. And some missionaries are called to go to uh, unreached people groups where churches is almost non-existent. And, of course, in those, church, in those areas, we would have a strong desire that churches are being built, planted, and that those churches will do missions themselves and plant more churches and that they will grow, and that an unreached people group will at some point be a reached people group. But there are some missionaries who are called to go to countries where there are already gospel-centered, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches. And in those, church, in those situations, sometimes missionaries will go and they will join a church like that. And when they make disciples, they will... They will build them into that church. Maybe at some point they will also plant a church. In either case, missionaries should endeavor not only to make disciples, but to connect disciples to the local church where they can flourish under the preaching of God's word and in relationship with other believers. No disciple should be made and just left. Now you're a Christian. Good luck. 
We built them into churches because that's where we flourish. Friends, I, I love how this first missionary journey from Barnabas and Saul ends. In Acts 14, verses 26 through 28, it says, And from there they sailed to Antioch, this is back to their home church, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. I love this. They came back to their sending church and they gave feedback about what what God was doing. They glorified God for opening the doors to the Gentiles. They were saying to the church, you guys who stayed, we want to tell you of everything that we saw. We want to tell you of the miracles. We want to tell you of how we preached the gospel and how God opened their eyes. And we want to tell you this to encourage you because you were part of that. You supported us. And because you supported us and you sent us, this is as much your story as it is ours. This is as much your victory as it is ours. Thank you for supporting us. And they remained no little time with the disciples. I'm sure telling them story after story after story about what God did for them, while at the same time being refreshed by being amongst brothers and sisters. That's what we did last night. And that's what we do when Josh and Lisa Kruger or Andy and Andrea Baker or Fred and Don Windelmeyer or Jorge and David de Castillo is here and they give feedback to us as a church. We are eager to hear what God is doing in them and through them because it is our story also. It is a window, church. It's a window into what is God is doing with our prayers and our supportive emails and our finances. And so I want to encourage you, whenever you hear that there are going to be missionaries who give feedback, come and enjoy Listen and hear what God is doing and rejoice that God is using your finances and your prayers and your emails and your text to make disciples all over this world. My prayer for you is that God will show each one of you what he has called you to do in missions and that you will glorify God in the way that you walk out that calling. For his name's sake. May it be said of us that Kingsway Community Church is a church that sends and supports missionaries to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to all nations, to make disciples, and to plant churches. May that be true for us. Amen and amen.